I'm a victim of abuse. And in trying to make sense of that part of my past, I found myself distancing myself from God, separating myself from all that he was pouring out on me. And to the world around me, I was pretty joyful. But to be fair to my family and friends, God has just blessed me with an abundance amount of energy. And from that flows joy. And I tend to find joy and happiness in the smallest things, the tiniest of treasures. And God has certainly blessed me with so much that my joy tended to flow freely and abundantly. But what people didn't see was my interior pain. They couldn't see the part of me that felt unworthy of God's love, and frankly, just someone who was unlovable. But I know I'm not the only one. I know so many people walk this earth feeling that same way. I kind of look back on my life and I think, how did I get right here, right now, in this moment? This moment where God willed me to being. When I, when I look at my career, I, I see that God kind of has a sense of humor. And he took me on this kind of crazy adventure. I studied politics and theology. And somehow he's asking me to help him communicate along the digital highways. He's asking me, sometimes someone who feels so unworthy of that task. And how could I speak to people of God's love and mercy when sometimes I question it myself? But this is the reality. The way that I tend to cope with life and the way our society tries to manage our difficulties doesn't have to be that way. God calls us to so much more. And in working in digital media, God has given me these amazing opportunities. I got to tell the story of Pope Francis coming to the United States and covering that amazing visit. I got to work for the University of Notre Dame and help them launch a project that invited young adults to rediscover the beauty of our faith and led them to their first Emmys. And now I'm working for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and leading our country's largest archdiocese. But in all of that, I've discovered something. I've learned that we're living in a merciless culture. But God calls us to so much more. And my friends, the answer to living in a merciless culture is a person. It is Jesus Christ who is love and mercy himself. And so let's go to the expert of mercy. Let's go to that beautiful image of divine mercy. And when you think about that image, there's so much to unpack and so much beauty to unravel. Right? Jesus was trying to communicate something so beautiful to us that we needed to see the image to be able to understand it in our hearts. And when we look at his eyes, we know that it's a mercy that flows freely. That's it, my friends. The first thing that Jesus has taught me about divine mercy is that the font is endless. And it flows for us. And why does it flow? It's because his eyes see us. He sees what we ache for. He sees when we're afraid. He sees our joy. He knows us. He knows us by name. And that font, when I talk about it flowing freely, I mean, that font flows freely. 
Think about Niagara Falls. Okay, the beauty of that fo- that fountain, that water just flowing down. Nothing we could do as humans can stop it. Well, technically, it has been stopped twice. One by man um, and one by our creator. But the reality is, we can't go there as a person and try to stop that font from flowing. It just flows freely for us. And that is so absolutely mind-boggling and amazing to me, right? The font flows freely. And it's almost, it's like that paradox of mercy. It's this mercy that just keeps coming and flowing, and all we have to do is receive it. And that's what I, the second thing I've learned about the gift of divine mercy is that we just don't have to be afraid. Jesus invites us, come, approach the font. And when I go back to that image, I think about his hands, his wounds. You know, our wounds, our sins nailed him to that cross. And our wounds, our sins kept him nailed to that cross. But he loved us so much that he takes his wounds and from his sacred heart pours forth everything we would possibly need. He just invites us to receive it. Wow. It's pretty remarkable. Right? And it's something that even if we can't quite understand it ourselves, you know, Jesus spoke directly to St. Faustina. For us, he spoke to her to give us his words. Just like he gave us her ima- his image, he gave us words to help us understand. And he said, Sooner would heaven and earth turn to nothingness than would my love, would my mercy not embrace a trusting soul. It's there. All we have to do is approach that font. And I think sometimes, I know in my life, I've been really afraid to do that. Afraid that maybe I'm too broken, or maybe I can't, you know, I've made a mistake and I can't seem to, to fix that, or I keep making the same mistake again. And I'm thinking, for decades, right, why am I making the same mistake again when I'm trying so hard? And so I have one or two options. I could say, okay, I'm going to walk further away from you, Lord, and turn my eyes away from the eyes that are looking directly at me. Or I could say, I'm going to run towards that. I'm going to run towards that font and I'm going to approach it and I'm just going to trust in you. And no matter what happens, I'm going to give my life over to you. And when we do that, the most miraculous thing happens. And it's what mercy, the third thing that mercy is teaching me is that Jesus gives us the opportunity to be that font. Now, I'm not talking that we're called to be divine mercy. (laughs) We cannot be that. We are not divine mercy. We are not Jesus Christ. And when we try to think that that's the case, then we get ourselves in trouble. But what we can do is we can be a reflection of that mercy. We could pour out that mercy on everybody else we encounter. And how do we do that, right? It's, it's not that we have to take some like radical journey to do that. When we look at that image of divine mercy, we see Jesus's feet, those same feet that were nailed to the cross. And with that, he's walking towards us. He has one foot that's walking directly towards us. And that's all we have to do is we have to take one step at a time, right? And approach the one person who's before us. We don't have to think about going after the whole entire world. We have to think about the one person who's right before us, communicating to that one person. 
Think about all the people you've met today. Not your family or friends. I'm talking maybe the person at the coffee shop, the person walking down the street, the person at the restaurant. Do we stop to ask them their name? Can you imagine if we asked everyone's name that we came in contact with? And then let me push us a little bit further to say, let's start writing those names down. What if we all kept a journal where we wrote the names down of individuals we encountered? Right? When we write someone's name down, when we call somebody by name, we automatically, the bridges get built. The walls that were there are torn down because we are saying to someone, you matter enough that I'm going to call you by name. And who did that first for us? Jesus, with those eyes of divine mercy, he calls each one of us by name. And I think back to St. Mary Magdalene on Easter Sunday morning. There she is, terribly distraught. You know, she, her Savior, the one she loved, she just watched him. She was one of the only people brave enough to stand at that foot of the cross. And she stood there in, the, in that pain because she wanted him to know that she loved him. And then there she is to go and take care of his body, to be there, to mourn. And then his body's no longer there. Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine that pain that just kept growing? And then she sees Jesus. And when he calls her by name, she feels the love. Wow. And I'm not talking that we have to do, again, these grand things. The people that are in our, in our everyday encounters, there's, there's this man in my apartment complex. His name is Vince. Many people probably don't know his name, but I've come to just chat and get to know him. Okay, now let me take you to a different part of my apartment complex, the recycling area. Now there's a big sign on the door that says, please fold your boxes. Okay. Every time for the last year and a half that I go down there, what do I see is a recycling bin overflowing with these big boxes that nobody's taken the time to fold their boxes. And what happens is that the trash is overflowing. It's overflowing so much that it is now outside of the dumpster, on this side of the dumpster, in front of the dumpster, no space left. So think about that. We, we can't even take enough time to be present and do, do the simple action of folding our trash or folding our boxes. My friend Vince that I just mentioned, he's our maintenance man. He has to then go and pick up our trash and fold all those boxes and think about all the time that he had spent having to do that because we could not take the simple step of folding the box before we put our trash away. Now, I wonder if people actually knew his name. Do you think that they and knew who, who was responsible for that? Do you think maybe, just maybe, we might take the time to fold that box? I think we would. I think we would because we would recognize the person. We would recognize, we would know who Vince was, and we would recognize his dignity and know that he is worthy of love and therefore worthy of our time and our attention. And we get to be that if we just be his mercy. And again, I'm going to be a broken record here, but it's not in the big grand things. It's choosing the good. It's finding your next now, the next now where you get to make a good decision. And whatever direction that may be, if God is taking us, you know, forward or to the left or to the right, wherever he's taking us, we get to make the decision to choose the good. We get to make the decision to be present, to be present before the people in front of us. To say that you are worthy of love, that you are worthy of goodness, 
not because we've made that person worthy of goodness, but because Jesus loves each of us. And can you imagine what would happen if we allowed ourselves to begin seeing each other like that? Our communication would change, right? Our communication would change online because suddenly we wouldn't see just a screen where we attack people on Twitter or where we judge someone before we know their names or know any part of their story. We would actually see a person on the other end of that screen, and I think we would transform digital communication, not church communication. I'm talking we would transform the digital highways for good, like they were intended, not to be a place of destruction, not to be a a place of breaking down another person, but would be truly that place of building bridges, of learning new ideas, of making God's love and mercy known in the world. That's what I dream of. And I think we're capable of it. I don't think, I know we are. Because again, it's not us. It's not something that we get to do. It's that we just get to be the reflection. We get to be that water that flows out into the world. And so friends, think about that image of divine mercy. See those eyes. See Jesus looking directly at you, saying you are loved and you are worthy. And my font is flowing freely for you. And come, look at my hands, look at my wounds, and look at them touch my sacred heart. And approach that font, because it's for you and everyone else you love and come encounter with. And then just don't keep it to yourself. Take that step, one step at a time. Persevere, move forward, bringing God's love and mercy to the world. All it takes is a little bit of presence, All it takes is a little bit of openness, and then we transform. The world, the world wants us to choose the way of living in a merciless culture. I want to choose the path of mercy. And I hope hope you'll join me. Thank you.